0: Hello, and welcome to episode six of the Modern Day Rebels podcast, the podcast that tells the stories of pioneers who actively create the lives they want to live. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, hello, my name is Julia Frank, and I'm the host of this podcast. I am fascinated by the question of how we can live both better and more meaningful lives. Essentially what this means is that I explore how we can live life on our own terms without having to make any drastic daredevil changes. Whether you're employed, run your own business, work as a freelancer, or whatever your situation might be, this podcast's mission is to highlight the approach of those who live life a little bit more unconventionally to show you that you can too. Each week, I sit down with a modern-day rebel from a range of different personal backgrounds and industries to chat about why they decided to live life differently, what living life on their own terms looks like, and most importantly, how they managed to do so in the first place. In today's episode, I sit down with Alice Ohlins, founder of The Step Up Club, and I really admire Alice and the work she does. She essentially helps women rise at work. Throughout her work, Alice helps and supports women who have hit crossroads in their careers. She helps women manage those change points, whether it is about being more objective about themselves and their careers, or whether it's questioning things like, what does success actually mean? Although Alice's work primarily focuses on women, this episode is incredibly powerful for anyone to listen to and jam-packed with tangible takeaways. Alice actually didn't set out to be a business owner in the first place. She is a journalist by trade and still works as a journalist, but realized that this life that she was sold was not as perfect for her as she originally thought. One of the most fascinating concepts that she brought up was being an intrapreneur, which is a term I hadn't heard before. We place a lot of value on entrepreneurs, but she talks about the value of intrapreneurs, of being that individual who takes ideas and puts them into practice within a company. I really hope you enjoy this episode, and let's get right into it. Well, thank you, Alice, so much for being on this podcast. I'm really excited to chat today. Thank you, Julia. I'm
1: really excited too. I have loved working with you thus far, and I am excited to chat
0: about being a rebel. Amazing. So kind of starting off in your own words, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Okay,
1: so I'm Alice Olins. I am the founder of The Step Up Club, which is a company that runs... Courses, workshops, and a membership club to help women rise at work. So, I was driven by the fact that I noticed that there was this point in women's careers and business development when they reached a kind of crossroads somewhere mm-hmm. in between 30s and 40s, I would say. And I think for a number of different reasons. So, sometimes it's external reasons, and sometimes it was more internal reasons that women kind of stopped to reconsider whether they were on the right path professionally mm-hmm. um, and the Step Up Club really is to help women to manage those change points so it has evolved so it isn't just that one singular type of change point but I very much see my coaching and my workshops and programs a membership club as a way to help women to be more objective about themselves and their careers and to support them both in terms of coaching and also in terms of offering them a, a community to be able to develop themselves so
0: that they can achieve the type of success that is really important and meaningful for them. And I think something like that is so incredibly important, and I can't wait to kind of dive further into that. But before we get fully started, why would you consider yourself a modern day rebel, or why might someone else consider you as one? I think that
1: when I started, so The Step Up Club actually started as a book that evolved into a business, which is kind of the other way around to the way most people do it. But definitely back in, so 2015 was when I wrote the book actually with my um, partner that I started the business with. I've since brought her out. And But when we started talking about this subject, really, there was definitely, the conversation wasn't as advanced as it is now. So we really wanted to modernize the women's career and personal development mm-hmm. conversation. It still felt very stuck in corporate boardrooms with flip charts. And it didn't feel, you know, I can't, I'm a journalist by trade. I come from the kind of women's style, glossies sector of journalism. One of my skill sets is being able to communicate to women in a way that I think feels fresh and modern. And certainly in the area of careers, it didn't feel fresh and modern at all. It still felt that there was, you know, you could flick through a magazine or a Sunday supplement that seemed to cover everything else about our lives that didn't cover our careers and considering Mm -hmm. they're such an integral part of who we are what we do where we spend our time and energy I felt that there was definitely scope to pick that conversation up and take it somewhere like yeah like I said a bit more modern and fresh and then you know the coaching has evolved from that and I always make sure that I deliver really high content, and everything is research-based. And you know, the content's always there, but I always make sure I package it in a way that I think helps women to feel like I understand who they are today, and that it isn't just something corporate that's being rolled out that doesn't actually speak to
0: them. And I kind of want to go to that to that initial starting point because, as you mentioned, you were or are a journalist by trade. What were some of the moments where you realized? Oh, wait a minute. Because when you just, when you say that, right, it's, it's so obvious that I have that realization of like, oh yes, if you look at a magazine, everything else is discussed but careers. But when you're in that, it's not something that you necessarily notice. What are some of those points where that became kind of apparent to you? I think when I
1: reached that point myself. So I think when I started looking for maybe something to support myself, you know, I had Children, I was still freelancing. I'd, I'd had a really big job at, um, you know, broadsheet newspaper. I'd worked at quite a lot of glossies. I'd had a lot of kind of external success in my career or the first part of my career, and then things didn't feel like maybe that they fitted quite right so. I remember people saying to me, "Oh, it's amazing. You know, you're a journalist, and then when you have kids, you can go freelance and you can work in all the time that they sleep. And you know, it's perfect." And actually, what I found was it really wasn't perfect for me. I felt like to be an excellent journalist, you need to have not just the time writing, which you can kind of squeeze around having children, but you need to be in the thick of it. You need to be in Mm -hmm. whatever story is happening. You need to be having those conversations with your colleagues. You know, so much of being a good journalist is about picking up stuff that's in the ether and when you're stuck at home with two kids or two babies or two you know two young children it's very difficult to be that person and so actually I found that what I had really probably teed up my whole career around without consciously thinking about it you know I, I had always wanted to have a family and I definitely wanted to be a journalist for reasons above having a family, but it felt like, you know, I'd seen other women who were more advanced in their career kind of manage the two. And I thought, Oh, this is going to be neat. This is going to be easy. And then when they're older, I'll come back and work at, you know, a news desk again or whatever, get that mm-hmm. kind of hit from being on a busy newsroom floor. But actually I didn't feel like it fitted. And that's when I think I started looking around for something else or started questioning my career and I realized that there was nothing really around. And I started looking on the internet and the conversations felt quite stayed. And because I was a journalist and I'd never had any career training myself, you know, it's a notoriously terribly paid industry. It pays dividends in lots and lots of ways, certainly not financially, and you're not treated particularly well as staff certainly there aren't like programs that you can go on and I wasn't supported in terms of my professional development so I think there was a real lacking there and it was that lacking that helped me identify I think I don't think it's just me that feels this I think there are other women and I started having conversations with friends and stuff and realized that there definitely was a shared point that we reached where we couldn't Some people, you know, we were all reconsidering, didn't mean that everyone was making big changes, but just stopping and thinking, is this exactly what I want? I've still got 20, 30 years ahead of me working and I want to make sure I'm working in a way that feels right and meaningful for me. So yeah, that was my own considerations, I think that probably were at the the start of everything.
0: And when you kind of started talking to friends and colleagues that also seemed to be in these points of consideration, did that seem to be also family related or was there something that you saw where there seems to almost be like a point where it's like, oh, is this really what I want to be doing?
1: I think both. I think there's kind of, there's several reasons that women reach that point. I think certainly family is one of them and that I think affects women in lots of different ways. I I think there's also another type of woman, this isn't me who is not me who progresses maybe is kind of quite academic progresses through school gets funneled into a good university and a good degree then gets funneled into a graduate scheme potentially or into a kind of the legal role or something like that that's quite institutionalized still and they just pass through this passage of checkpoints as it were in their career and you know there's They keep moving up the career ladder and then they reach the point where they thought they were going to feel very, very successful and Mm -hmm. they get their head above the parapet and they think, actually, I don't feel very, very successful or this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Or I haven't actually stopped and considered since I was 18 and I left school, I haven't actually stopped to think. I've just, you know, ticked every box that I was meant to do because I think, in general women can be we like to please sometimes and maybe that's that we have pressure from our parents maybe it's pressure from tutors at university or suggestions and we don't necessarily think for ourselves critically uh, at that early stage and actually there's i don't work a lot with younger women i would love to work with women at that kind of really that that seminal moment around when you're studying and later much later end of school kind of university because I think we don't realize as the choice I think it's changed to be fair I'm 40 so this was relatively longer time ago I think there is more choice now and I think there's more I think women feel more empowered to make choices but I think certainly even when I was at university 20 years ago we just took the first job because you didn't know if you were going to get another job and then your, sometimes your career happened to you rather than the other way around.
0: Yeah. I think that's kind of really well put. And you've had these, these realizations and then that's when you decided to put everything kind of into a book. So can you walk me through that process of kind of looking for materials yourself, trying to find, starting these conversations and realizing actually, wait a minute, these conversations don't exist right now. And I really want to I really want to put something into people's hands and it's going to be a book.
1: So I'm going to dispel the myth of writing a book right now. And that is, <laughs> it was a conversation with my co-author, my ex-partner Fenella. And it was a very short conversation over a glass of wine where we said, we, we'd identified this together. we had been having conversations around it. And we said, well, why don't we just try and write a book? Um, I'm a writer and that's how I communicate with people. And she was gung-ho and we literally googled how do you write a <laughs> book proposal uh, i'm not joking and there was we found a few kind of wireframes, like frameworks of what you do a sample chapter a little bit of a an overview of the competition etc and we just managed to cobble something together and then we somebody recommended that we got an agent so i had some contacts via my content, my journalism contacts and kind of networked which I am a big advocate of I use my network I've always been very confident networking I've never Look, I don't like going to networking events. No one particularly likes that. But I feel very comfortable connecting with people and meeting new people. And I was put in contact with an agent who then put us in contact with another agent. And we got taken on by United Agents who, unbelievably, a huge agent, uh, really kind of high profile. And we were just basically two absolute nobodies who didn't really know what we were doing. But obviously sparked something in her. Um, I think it was the subject matter that she was interested in. I think she agreed that there was definitely this space in the market for a fresh approach to the subject, and and then kind of the rest was history. She put us in touch with some editors, um, and we, we we signed with Random House. We had a few offers, and we signed with Random House. And it really was just almost kind of unbelievably happened, very very simply. And I know it doesn't always happen like that. So that was, and I don't like to attribute success to luck but in some way we were we were lucky and then we had so she said oh I love this idea but I know that some other people are doing some books along the same line so can you deliver a hundred thousand words in four months <laughs> and um, we kind of looked at each other slightly aghast and said okay fine because um, that's what you know we did we just said we'd do it so we had this very very strict way because no one quite understood how you write a book to, one book between two people. So we had, uh, Fenella did a lot of the research, the primary research, and I did all of the writing. So she would deliver content to me and I would turn it around and send it back to her and she would send it back to me. And we had this really complicated calendar where we had to stick to certain dates and deliver content to each other on those dates. And we were very committed and we were very diligent at sticking to those dates. Um, And so it somehow worked and we delivered it on time. And that really was the start of kind of everything changing for me in terms of my own career.
0: Which is absolutely incredible. And so was that kind of the starting point of having these conversations, not necessarily more seriously, but more with kind of the vision of, okay, what is it that I could build? Were you always interested in potentially taking that further? No, actually, honestly, not really. I still
1: write a column. I'm still a journalist. I, I, I love that side of my career and my life. And so I wasn't really looking. I've always been very happy in my career, uh, which people find very strange that I still made quite a dramatic career change when I was very, very happy in my career. But there was something lacking for sure. And no, the aspiration was to write a book and get it on the shelves. And we did that. And then what happened was we got asked to be on some panel events and we did a bit of press. I had good contacts in the press and we did quite a lot of press and people started talking about Step Up a little bit. And we thought, well, hang on a second. If we're doing lots of events for other people, why don't we think about doing some events for ourselves? So then we started running some workshops with the Hoxton Hotel and um, that rolled into, uh, we had people coming repeat uh, customers as it were who came to lots of our events and then we realized well actually why didn't we think about doing something more um considered that kind of took women through a process so starting at that change point and then taking them through some steps based on some of the chapters of the book of like the points at which we thought women needed support in terms of their personal and career development and so that grew into what I still run um, when it isn't COVID um, lockdown to so one of my products is a program called the Step Up School which is a face-to-face group coaching program which um, I've run six times now in London and um, I host 30 women over three months. And it's been amazing and it's been really is still the highlight of what I do. I love getting women in the room and I love having a sustained relationship with them. So not just going into a business and running a workshop and leaving, which I do and I enjoy, but being able to reconnect with women and being able to create a space where they connect themselves and they create this kind of micro network. And actually, I learned so much by putting the first step up school on that you know, I'm a very diligent person in everything that I do. I try to do everything as best as I can and every with the book and with Step Up School the content's always really great but actually what I realized was almost more important than the content was just being able to bring women together into a space where they felt very comfortable, where they were able to turn their phones off, where they didn't know everyone else in the room and other people had come from different walks of life and different industries and at different stages in their career but they all had this shared question mark over what they were doing. Maybe it was that they wanted to Maybe their question mark was, should I go for a promotion or how can I go for the promotion? Maybe their question mark was around returning after um, an extended leave. Maybe their question mark was about changing jobs or industries completely. So they all had different reasons and they do still all have different reasons for coming. But there's something very special about bringing women together in a room and having that space. Um, And I think that feeling that Step Up School creates, um, I I try to carry through into everything that I do now because I know that that's incredibly powerful.
0: And kind of, I'm kind of really interested in, in creating that space and, and that powerful thing that happens when you do bring a group of women together and that kind of have shared question marks. Cause it's not only individuals that are looking to potentially do their own thing. It's a a lot about individuals who are in careers and kind of potentially not as happy and, and kind of frustrated. And in terms of those, those business pressure points or those uh, change points as you mentioned them of where they're where they're needing support what are some of those for example so yeah like I said it can be challenging themselves
1: about whether they're in the industry or the role that they think that they want to be and so often they come to step up school or they take one of my courses and um, because they think they they enjoy their career they just don't know if there's something that they want more so i help them to explore that a little bit more other times it's that they've been working on a side hustle and it's growing a little bit and they don't have the confidence you know confidence really underpins a lot that i do especially at step up school we do almost like a whole day on confidence and we look at it from lots of different angles and because obviously it then connects into so many other um, personal and career development behaviors and processes so I do a lot around confidence I know that women tend to struggle and with lower confidence and that has a knock-on to so many other elements or so many other questions I think that they have within themselves so I think often women realize that they are not fulfilling their potential they know Mm -hmm. it but they haven't been able to articulate it to themselves. And sometimes they need to even just come along to even understand what that change point is or what that pressure point is. They don't know necessarily. It's easy to talk about change points, but some women are economically stuck where they are. So, you know, some women have high paying jobs and have dependents at home and a mortgage and, you know, maybe might be the breadwinner, but maybe very unhappy with what they're doing. So in that instance, it's about helping them to craft a role that will make them feel more fulfilled. So accepting that actually I am going to be here for the foreseeable future. How can I take my role and make it something that is going to help me feel fulfilled and satisfied and engaged when I go to work every day. So there's lots and lots of different reasons that women come to step up or that women reach these kind of crossroads in their career and their business development. And I think often people, you know, I I take a lot of advice from several mentors, formal and non-formal. And a few times people have said, you should really focus on either delivering your content to entrepreneurs or employees, because it's very, very confusing that you do it for both. And every time someone says that to me, I feel very, very strongly that um, I don't ever want to do that because I actually think it's the cross-pollination between those two types of women that actually makes it more interesting. And I don't think ever always people want to be siloed into one camp or the other. You know, there are FDs who are giving advice to small business owners and then there are PR, uh, women with PR firms who are giving advice to you know other people photographers in the room and whatever whoever teachers in there who just have an amazing empathy women from um healthcare services you know I just don't think that we need to be um compartmentalized like that I think as women especially as parents which a lot of women who come through step up are I think we face a unique storm of pressures in different ways and I think they are shared whatever industry or whatever type of role you're in and I I I like that cross-pollination I think that's what keep stuff Up unique.
0: And I think that's something really interesting you've kind of just mentioned in terms of not focusing on entrepreneurs versus individuals who kind of are in a more traditional career. Because I feel like what's kind of been happening with this whole, you know, shaping your, your own career, shaping your own life, is that a lot of times entrepreneurs are looked at and said, well, you know, they went off on their own. Of course, they can do whatever they want. But actually, I think it's really underestimated what you can do within your actual job when you're fully employed. And I kind of want to tap into that because fulfilling your potential is one of those things that I think gets, is quite a big, big word, um, big buzzword as well, and kind of gets thrown around. But specifically talking about women that can't potentially move roles within a company because they are financially tied, what are some of the things that they can do to shape that role, to feel more engaged, to feel, to actively create job satisfaction, essentially? well I think
1: there's work to do first of all around values and your purpose and so what I would do is help them I'd rewind a little bit and and help them first of all see what it is that is really important to them because sometimes when you feel like you're in something that isn't right you just get clouded by this feeling of things being wrong and you can't then identify what is right about it or what it is that you want to be doing so i would definitely do some work around looking back over their personal and professional lives and kind of pulling out high points low points seeing what was happening at those points what was happening when you were coming up out of low points what helped you get there and just coming up with this list of values um, really that will help them theref- then kind of be able to look at what they're doing and maybe try and view it so that it can that some of those values can be absorbed into their daily work so it might be that they are for example I've used it already as an example a lawyer and they work in a very very strict environment you know there isn't much scope for adapting your role if you're a lawyer if you're you know like a coming up for being a partner or something like that you know it's a very structured place in industry to work in so then I would say well what else is there within the company or wider in the industry might it be about that creativity that you feel that you need to fulfill is it about creating something new like a newsletter or you know is it about starting a new network or you know can you find those parts of yourself that you need to fulfill in different areas because it isn't always sometimes we have to accept that our roles aren't going to tick every single one of our boxes and I don't always think that you can I think in in many instances you can and you can draw down a network and you can speak to people and you can be much freer you know there's this term being an entrepreneur you can look at entrepreneurs and take some of those ideas and put them into a more of a, um, a company structure so coming up with ideas having the confidence to put ideas forward if that's if you can see a scope if you can see a place for a new service or a new product it's having the confidence to maybe do some work on your own at home and come up with a little pitch and call together a meeting and pitch that in and even if that isn't taken you know you will be earning brownie points and you will be noticed and recognized for having the initiative and having the confidence to start those conversations and I think it's about kind of not you know sometimes accepting that your role is strict is is relatively rigid and then finding more on this kind of social and personal side of your company and bringing that to life and I think other times it's about being brave and yeah having that kind of entrepreneurial mindset and putting ideas forward and if they don't fly and I think often this is what women struggle with is taking risks you know we 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 fear the fallout the failure of actually looking at that failure and thinking if it doesn't come across if people don't buy it this is still a learning process. I've still gained so much in the process. And you know, just being able to have fun a little bit as well, like bring your personality to work a bit more and not feel like you have to do the same as everybody else. I think is something that we don't always remember when we become quite institutionalized.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's really true. And earlier in the conversation you kind of mentioned that some women or in general, I think this also applies to to men that we get to that point where we realize actually, you know, promotion after promotion, and then you realize I'm still not happy. And there seems to be a lot of value and a lot of almost pressure placed on jobs and being like, you know, this is what is going to bring me happiness and is going to bring me fulfillment is identifying those ways in which potentially outside of your job, you can have ways in which you fulfill other things that you like to be doing. From your experience, do you see that that also helps individuals not necessarily hit that point? I think there's been, yes, is the short answer to that. I think there's, you know, there's been a shift between
1: the generations. Certainly, if we look back to our grandparents, and then our parents probably in between a little bit more, what's the word, straddling both the extremes of if we look back at our grandparents, and I would certainly say for many of us, our parents as well, they had a job for life in the main and there wasn't choice. I mean, there was probably choice at the beginning, but you, you you kind of had your job and that's what you stuck to and you carried on until you retired to a certain degree to be very kind of succinct about it. Whereas now there's so much choice out there. And sometimes I feel that that paralyzes people. You know, you can start, if you're on Instagram, if you're on LinkedIn, you can just see what everyone else is doing and with a laptop and a Wix account, you can basically start a business. Anyone can start a business. I'm building a blog for my eight year old daughter at the moment. And honestly, I think she could probably turn it into a business at some point. It's so simple in some ways to get something off the ground and I think that choice makes things very difficult because it it means that we constantly look at ourselves and think that something could be better there are more choices out there what should I be doing and so sometimes I think it's worth looking at what you have and I do a lot of work with women to kind of analyze where they're at what's making them happy because sometimes we can't see the wood for the trees um, I think and now I've totally forgotten what your question was which was is it that other things make us happy yes other things I think I think it's really important to not put so much pressure on our career to be the reason that makes us happy but also to not put pressure on our career to be the perfect career always you know your career is long I I say to women that I work with and that I coach it's it's a marathon it's not a sprint and you might be in a phase of that marathon that isn't perfect but it might be fulfilling some of the things that you need it to fulfill i.e it might be paying your mortgage or it is giving you structure when you need structure or whatever it is for you and actually sometimes it's about planning ahead so it's not about trying to look at your role and hope that it encapsulates everything that you need in it but actually using it as a point at which you can then build from because otherwise we put so much pressure on ourselves for our careers to be perfect at all times and we always seem to use now as the litmus test of whether we are being successful or whether our career is exactly right for us and not looking at it kind of more broadly as part of a longer story.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because we're really used to getting everything almost immediately. And there's a lot of kind of instant gratification that's happening where we don't even really have to wait for things to be delivered anymore. For example, on Amazon, they get here tomorrow if I wanted to order them today. In terms of kind of being able to that litmus test, let's call it, to gauge whether or not I am not happy in my career versus I am if we can't use those drop-in moments of the now to be an indication, what could we use as indicators to figure out if overall we are content or overall, maybe we need to change something? I definitely think those
1: now moments are part of our understanding. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't underestimate how important it is to constantly be analyzing where you're at. You know, I, I, there's, Uh, a lot of work that I do with women around their definition of success and looking at what that definition is today, what it was maybe two years ago, maybe what it was 10 years ago, and then thinking about coming back to that analysis every so often because external factors can impact, internal factors can impact what a definition of success is. So I do think that that is something that is in the now. But equally, I think that we just need to have... A broader view of our careers and I think sometimes we fear planning ahead and planning for when things are going to be right if you know what I mean you know mm-hmm. I, 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 I think careers take time and they take investment and I think often it's important to talk to people we, we sometimes we live so much in our own heads that we don't have those important conversations with people where we listen to them about their careers and where they're at. And sometimes we learn about ourselves listening to others. So often it's just a case of talking things out and it might be I don't think there's a straight answer to that question. I, I obviously with the benefit of hindsight, you can make amazing kind of, you can draw amazing conclusions on where you should have been and should not have been, but we can't change what's in the past. So I'm a great believer in making small changes to improve our future and having a a vision of where we want to go but holding that vision lightly because huge things as we know right now can change what we had planned small things can change what we had planned and so while I am a believer in looking ahead and knowing where we want to be going I would say and I would always advise women to not hold that really really tightly but to rather kind of have it there as an inspiration rather than a total kind of you know you don't want to have another stick against which you can hit yourself because you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve so I think you also need to view your career as part of your life Uh, not as a singular entity in your life you know work and life personal lives professional lives are so integrated even more so right now but I'm not actually talking about right now I'm talking about just generally in life We, we we work longer hours we work more informally you know we're friends with our colleagues everything is so integrated that I think we need to also view our work and our success and I don't mean that as a kind of financial success or status I mean that in terms of our own personal definition of success as part of our lives uh, more broadly rather than just singled out because I think then you can't actually make an informed decision or kind of informed analysis on whether things are going right or wrong or whether you need to make changes
0: and kind of on that practical level and we've kind of chatted about this that outside of this podcast that people tend to spend more time actually writing down the groceries for the for the upcoming week than kind of their their goals. In mm. terms of having these kind of conversations of how success changes and how values change, and and being able to use those kind of almost I don't really like the word tracking, but almost evaluating and being able to s- reflect on those moment to moment feelings. Is that a journal or how do you typically kind of help people capture that? I think that's a really interesting question because I think there's still a real stigma around things like
1: journaling. And I think a lot of women and not all women, because there are lots of women who are real believers in that. And, you know, I think women who do take the time to journal and take the time to think probably do best in the end but I don't think it needs to be a journal but I think there needs to be we need to commit stuff to paper or to our computers I I don't think we should hold everything in our heads so for me personally I write things down as almost lists so I did I have to admit when I was at uni or maybe at school I wrote a five-year plan for myself which I think showed a lot about where I was going to end up in terms of um kind of being a coach and working where I'm working but I just had this real urge to write down what I wanted to do and I decided I want to be a journalist um, and I wrote a kind of five-point list of what I wanted to achieve when and then I totally forgot about it and refound it several years later and kind of smiled to myself and um, I had actually managed to achieve those things and I found it really satisfactory and it taught me a really important lesson that You know, writing those things down probably inspired me to achieve them in the end. And I don't think it needs to be some big song and dance about having a specific journal and, you know, being able to write in it or having to write in it every week or every month. I just think that we need to take the time to be intentional about our career or business development. And I think a lot of women aren't intentional about it. And I think it might just be taking some time every last Friday of the month to not work in the afternoon and to have that time to think about your career or maybe to do some learning or maybe to do some writing down or reflecting and I think that's what's important and I think so many of us get caught in the hamster wheel of life, myself included a lot of the time and it's that's why I feel really passionate about workshops and programs like Step Up School, and there are lots of other ones around too, where you can just have that space to think and be a bit more objective and intentional about your career, because often that is all it takes. And it's just not getting bogged down with the minutiae of daily life and pressure and just having a bit more freedom of thought of what do I actually want? And how can I make what I'm doing into what I want? Because we do have control over our lives. We may not have ultimate control over everything that we do, but we are able to make choices and respond to things in an intentional way. And often I don't think that we give ourselves credit for that, or we don't remember that we have more choice. I think sometimes we feel like we don't have choice um, and that we have to do certain things to tick certain boxes. So I would challenge that.
0: I think that's a really interesting point around kind of creating intentionality because it seems like a lot of you you kind of mentioned as the hamster wheel, but we seem to be caught up in a lot of doing and a lot of, you know, straight to the computer, answering that email, responding. It's a very kind of being caught in reactions almost. Yeah. And in terms of really, I know you're a big advocate of creating that space to kind of, of, to think and to think about where things are going. And I know that can seem quite fuzzy, but bringing that intentionality in that space would you say that's kind of bringing a rhythm to it, locking out time in your calendar, or how does that look like on, on a day to I, I do think,
1: I actually, no, I do think if you really feel like you would struggle to find that time, I would absolutely encourage you to put it into your diary as a meeting to yourself. I tell my husband constantly to do that, and he never listens to me. <laughs> um, so more for him. I don't feel like I need to do it myself because I actually enjoy doing it, and there are times... I did an Instagram stories today actually where I realized that I was giving my baby his fourth bottle of the day and that I spend about half an hour, four times a day giving him a bottle and, it's actually a total gift because I can't be on my phone. I can't be really doing anything else. I just have to sit there and give him a bottle and it's enforced time to think. And sometimes I use that thinking time to think about what I'm going to add to my Ocado order for the week. And sometimes I think about what I want to do with certain work projects that I'm working on or who do I want to speak to and connect to. And it's actually really important to have that space. And so depending on who you are I think it depends on how you enforce that structure so if you are someone who it naturally happens for I don't think you need to but I think if you struggle to get off the hamster wheel and I definitely think putting it in your diary I I did an event with another coach the other day and she colour coordinates her diary so she talks (laughs) a lot about batching I know it sounds extreme but it's brilliant because she batches her work together so she color codes all her coaching calls and then she color codes all her um, meetings, and then she color codes all her networking, and so she can see across the week what she's doing when, very quickly and easily. And she's puts in LinkedIn networking every lunchtime between one and one thirty. And I just thought it was brilliant. Like she obviously is self-aware enough that she knows that she needs that reminder, and she says she definitely wouldn't remember to do it if it wasn't there. But when it pops up on her laptop or her phone she makes sure that she commits to it. And I think, you know, with everything in terms of personal development, career development, whatever you want to call it, you need to have a degree of self-awareness. So I think you need to start with that and then um, work in a way that's going to work for you.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of self-awareness is something. And, And also in particular, I quite like what you said around intentionality and bringing that because I think in terms of there's a lot of focus now on constantly improving and constantly... Um, you know, it it feels like there's a lot of pressure, especially in the self-development space to constantly be changing and improving and upskilling and, and, you know, kind of getting to that next level. But I also think there's a lot around just being like, it's okay to take a step back. It's okay to kind of say, I don't want to be in that hamster wheel, but taking that moment to just be intentional around how you want to kind of structure your time, I think is really, really important. I think it's difficult to say to yourself, you know, I don't need to be achieving everything right at this
1: second. And I think that's something that I definitely struggle with. And certainly during lockdown, and I know we don't want to talk too much about COVID because we're all COVIDed out. But it has highlighted to me, you know, I, I went into lockdown thinking there's going to be lots of women who are going to need coaching and support through this. And I, you know, I'm ready for the challenge. I'm ready for this and I think it's gonna be an amazing in a way because it's it's a whole new unexpected turn and as somebody who used to turn around copy for news stories in half an hour, I, I actually like working to a kind of pressured deadline or within pressured environment so I started off thinking actually this is going to be interesting and then within a week I was totally exhausted by the whole thing and I felt like there was this kind of competitive coaching out there everyone was trying to offer everyone else something and everyone was saying that they were using this time to best themselves and it just felt exhausting and depressing and not at all what I feel is important about what I do. It felt like the very opposite of that. And so I actually had to take a step away from work and take a step away from Instagram and stop sending my emails and stuff just for to have a little bit of time. Because I, I think sometimes the bravest thing you can do is just go, actually, this is not whatever it is, whether it's something really macro and big, like your role or whether it's something very small in terms of like what I'm talking about, like I needed two weeks out just to collect my own thoughts. Sometimes, that is the most important thing you can do. You can say, actually, I don't really care what everyone else is doing. It's not right for me. And so why is it not right for me or what do I want to be doing? And I, I think it's it feels scary to do things like that, but often it, it pays dividends in the long run.
0: Yeah, I remember you kind of took a, a break from Instagram there and that does sometimes feel like so much courage to kind of just to take a step back in this situation or in other situations in the past, not necessarily related to coronavirus what are some of the signs that you realize actually everyone else is doing it this way. I'm not quite comfortable doing it that way. So I'm going to do it my way. Is there, is that a gut feeling? Is there, are there any other indicators for you? Yeah, I think a gut feeling. I I definitely ride heavily and rely
1: heavily on my gut feeling. So I would say in important times in my life, I've gone with my gut and it's been right. So yes, I'd say that. I'm also really quite decisive and I make decisions quickly and I stick to them. So sometimes it just comes upon me and I think something and I just have to commit to it. So I think in that instance, I was beginning to feel like I was losing control of what I wanted to do and that I should have been, for example, using Instagram as an example, and it wasn't only Instagram, but that's just an easy example to use. It just felt like I should have been posting all the time. I should have already had a new program up and running. And I had to remind myself that I've actually got two children and a baby at home. And, you know, what was I playing at? Why was I trying to compete with people who, number one, I don't necessarily think I want to compete with are very different to me. Number two, maybe have very different situations at home. Yeah, I, I was trying to be kind to myself as much as anything else and it, it helped and it worked and I felt much better afterwards and I had a clearer mind and I didn't feel like I, I was able to shut out the noise after I just stepped away for a little bit, which I wasn't able to do in at the very beginning and it was getting me down and it was making me feel bad. And actually what I love about my work is that it makes me feel good. I mean, it's incredibly stressful having your own business. And that certainly is something that I struggle with. I I do find it difficult. I have find it difficult being a kind of, well, I'm not a sole founder. I founded it with my partner, but I now run the business on my own. And I also have, three children and it's a lot so I do struggle with that but what I my work and helping women and doing what I do and being creative and creating content and research and learning new things that I can then share with other people I love and so if I'm doing something that doesn't make me feel good I know that that's wrong I know that the business side of things can be difficult and that isn't wrong that's just comes with the kind of you know, the package. But I think if the actual work that I'm putting out feels wrong or the atmosphere around it feels wrong, then that's a warning sign to me that something needs to change.
0: And is that kind of tied to the word almost should, when you have that feeling that you should do something versus wanting to, for example? Yeah, I think so. Although... I think sometimes in that instance
1: it was about time frame so I actually did want to do something and I have now created a new program a reset and recovery program and I wanted to do that but I felt like I should do it quicker so those two things didn't marry up mm-hmm. it isn't that I should be no I don't I feel actually I, I'm quite good at not falling to kind of peer pressure in the should do things in certain ways I, I don't feel like that actually but yeah, I don't actually feel a lot that I, I, I should be doing stuff that I'm not doing. I It's more that it just didn't feel right. Yeah.
0: But I think in terms of kind of should and comparison, and again, kind of Instagram is just an easy example there, but I think it kind of goes across the board, right? Whether or not you're comparing yourself to a colleague or a peer or a friend in terms of kind of before we round things off, in terms of comparison, especially when it comes to careers and feeling like, I'm going to use the word should here, you know, we should be doing that. We should be working X amount of hours and and networking and potentially putting something forward. How do you help women that really struggle with the balance between wanting to be ambitious and wanting to be competitive, but also finding it really exhausting in terms of feeling like, they need to be doing all these check marks? Well, that comes back really to what I was saying about the work
1: that I do around defining your own definition of success, or
0: sorry, not defining your own
1: definition of success, but finding your own definition of success. Um, I think, like I said much earlier in the conversation, sometimes our careers happen to us and we don't even consider that we have a choice in the matter. I think it's sometimes just challenging women to ask them, is this really what you want to be doing, what is it that you want to be doing on a daily basis, kind of more broadly, you know, just thinking about what's really important to you and and making the point that comparison clearly obviously gets us nowhere. I mean, I use the example of my sister-in-law, who I love dearly, who is um, Italian. So she lives in London. So she does everything in her second language. She has a very, very, very senior role at HSBC. She is also studying to be a geneticist i can't even say that word on the side and she has two children and people often say to me oh my goodness what is it like having a sister-in-law like federica and i say well i just love her i don't find it any pressure at all because her definition of success is entirely different to my definition of success i just do not aspire along the same lines that she aspires to and i think that i feel confident and comfortable myself because i have done a lot of work thinking about what actually makes me happy again something i don't necessarily think that all women do or men or women do um, enough. And so I feel that it's very important if I'm going to coach someone or they're going to come on one of my programs that we need to start really with that and think about the fact that we are all individuals. And it sounds so simplistic when I'm saying it now, but we don't always consider it um, when we are thinking about ourselves as a woman as part of womanhood of kind of modern women who are working you know there are so many pressures on us especially as mothers working mothers even more and ourselves slightly get lost in the mix of trying to be to keep up Um, with everyone else I think it is absolutely vital that we do that work around ourselves and just and when I say do the work I don't mean sitting down and you know having to necessarily dissect our entire selves personalities and wants and desires but just having an awareness of that person's doing something and I can be really happy for her you know there's something much more positive about being able to say she's doing amazingly One time in my life, I really would have aspired to that. Actually, I don't aspire to that anymore. Or, you know, what she's doing. Or looking at somebody else and saying, actually, I find her really inspirational. Like, I could role model myself on her. There are so many things that she does that I am inspired by. And looking at other women and thinking, you inspire me. Like, I don't have to feel like I need to compete with you. Even if you're 10 years younger than me and you're doing something um, that feels like it's more quote unquote successful than me well I don't know what's in your life or what's not in your life you know I just think being kinder that all comes down to maybe being kinder to ourselves and not having these ridiculous expectations on ourselves that we should be able to do everything perfectly all at the same time and you know and still be able to turn out with a blow dry and looking perfect because obviously that is not real life ending on being kind to yourself I think is a really important point.
0: Amazing I think that's kind of a a really great point to wrap things off going into the last three questions that I like to ask. Is there a book that changed your life or shifted your mindset? I'm
1: actually going to say my book, because my book was a huge turning point in my own life. And I I mean that in the most modest way possible. I'm not saying that the content changed my life. I'm just saying that the existence of it changed my life. And do you want to just repeat the title? The title is Step Up, Confidence, Success, and Your Stellar Career in 10 Minutes a Day and
0: speaking of success do you have one a secret to success I would say the secret to success is self-awareness couldn't agree more and then last but not least what advice would you have liked to hear when you kind of started to live life differently or that moment when you realized wait a minute this what I've been sold as perfect doesn't actually suit me
1: I'm going to say a couple of things that I've covered already, but I think are really important. Number one, that your career is long and that it has chapters. You know, I sometimes use that as another analogy, and there will be different chapters in your career, and, and that's exciting. I think also another piece of advice would be that we have more control over our careers than we maybe think we do, or we give ourselves credit for. I'm also a huge believer in young women realizing how much more power they have than they think they have. I worked for not my boss, actually, but someone who was more senior than me, who tried to keep me down for several years and really made me feel like because I was younger, because I was more inexperienced, I didn't have a voice. And what I realize now is that we all have a voice. And it might be that if you're younger and more inexperienced, in terms of your team or in relation to your team, there will still be areas that you have greater knowledge of or there will be something because we are unique, like I just said, that you bring to the table that no one else does. And I think having the confidence to be open to that, to explore that, to bring that to the table, I I think that is something that we don't we aren't taught. Um, We're kind of still taught that experience and importance comes with age and experience. And I wouldn't say that is always true.
0: What a lovely note to end on. If people want to find out more about you, where will they find you? They can find me on Instagram or all social channels at the Step
1: Up Club. They can find me at my website, stepupclub.co or they can find me via Julia's Instagram because we are connected on that as
0: well. Yes, exactly. And I'll link everything in the show notes as well. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time. I greatly appreciate it. And like always- It's an absolute pleasure chatting. Same, same. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. And I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed sitting down to chat with Alice. One of the things that I've really been thinking about since this conversation is that we often look at entrepreneurs and freelancers and contractors and business owners and say, well, it's so easy for them to live life on their own terms because they're literally their own boss. But actually, when we talk about job satisfaction, we underestimate how much freedom we have within our jobs, within our system, whether it be bringing our personality to work or finding ways in which we can grow in our role. It seems like we always feel like innovation can only happen outside of the traditional roles, but actually when we're looking at the way that technology is shifting, the way that we work, and the way that we're all almost constantly forced to change, I really encourage you to find ways in which you can be innovative within your own role. The other thing that I've been really thinking about is job satisfaction. And it seems like nowadays we put a lot of pressure on our jobs, almost being this make or break point as to whether or not we're happy with our lives. And actually sometimes jobs just have roles to fulfill and we can find other ways in which we can find that happiness and that creativity and that joy. And Alice said it so beautifully throughout the episode. If this conversation has helped you in any way or led to some insights or some aha moments, I would absolutely love to know what they are. So just screenshot this episode and share it on Instagram, tag at Modern Day Rebels, and we can start that conversation. If you also think someone else might benefit from listening to this episode, please do share it with friends, colleagues, and family. The more that we talk about living life a little bit more unconventionally, the more we can challenge those conventional mindsets. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Modern Day Rebels on Apple Podcasts. You can also write a review, which would help other people find this podcast. You can follow at Modern Day Rebels on Instagram to stay up to date on each week's episode and get some sneak previews of upcoming guests, as well as receive some practical tips and tricks you can easily apply in your day-to-day. You can find all the links mentioned in this episode in the show notes. See you next Monday.